This is Chef Emily Peterson, host of Sharp and Hot. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. This is Cynthia Cherish Malloran, Reverend DJ Cherish the Love, and you are listening to Primary Food on Heritage Radio Network. And thank you for coming back. So I hope you caught last week's episode. We had the celebrant uh, foundation Charlotte Ulett and Sasha Jones here talking about life cycle ceremonies. We talked about weddings and relationships. But... I mean, there's no getting married without having a successful relationship, right? So that's why I have on today our guest, Gabby Love, relationship expert. Thank you for and having me, Cynthia. Professional matchmaker. So just make sure you speak right into the mic. Uh, we're going to talk about relationships today. Uh, Gabby is a professional matchmaker, like I said, and um, knows a lot about how couples tick, right? How would you describe sure. it? Sure. <laughs> it's a wonderful dance that must be mastered. I have not mastered this dance. <laughs> <laughs> and at my, my secret ulterior motive is to get as much information from Gabby about this as possible. Now, I'm Gabby's DJ. We're DJing Love Match events. Our first one is February 8th. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, would you like to tell everyone where that's at? Yes, that's at the Lexington's Lounge at 130 East 39th Street at 39th and Lexington in New York City. And so how, uh, tell everyone about that event so they can sign up and how, how they can be involved in. That event, um, there's more information at GabbyLove.com, which is G-A-B-I-L-O-V-V-E dot com. And it's a real matchmaking party where no one knows who they're going to meet, mm. who their match is for the night. Um, what it entails is a half an hour love interview that I do per contender. I call the men, men and the women femmes just to keep it fun. And it attracts a lot of younger people as well. And I give them a 30-minute to an hour love interview and see what they like, what their expectations are, their specifications, and I try to match as perfectly as possible for for them to have a good time with that night. So I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people listening have their ears perked up when they're when you were describing that so before i forget let me tell you how to reach out to me and get my attention and to find out more info on social media uh, be twitter instagram or facebook at dj cherish the love and that's spelled l-u-v and hashtag using primary food or hashtag underscore uh, heritage underscore radio and hashtag rev love so again the name of the show is primary food And let's go into the definition of what primary food is. As a graduate of Institute for Integrative Nutrition, primary food is a concept that I learned that helped me get through cancer treatment uh, with great ease. So the foods you eat are secondary to all the other things that feed you. 
your relationships, career, spirituality, and exercise routine. These are the things that we call primary foods. All that we consider today is nutrition, the foods you eat, uh, the pizza here at Roberta's, is really just a secondary source of energy. Primary food is more than what's on your plate, healthy relationships, regular physical activity, a fulfilling career, and a spiritual practice can fill your soul and satisfy your hunger for life. So when primary food is balanced and satiating, your life feeds you, making what you eat secondary. And I like to add in their creativity, uh, which can cross over into spirituality, I think. And my focus is creative output. But today we're going to focus on relationships, the relationship aspect of primary food. Because without good relationships in your life, you're missing that, uh, that, that factor. Uh, very important, because we can't go through life without good, happy, healthy relationships, can we? Or we can. We just wouldn't be happy. <laughs> so Gabby got to know a little bit about me recently. I gave her my birthday. And then what did you find out about me? Well, through your destiny reading, through your birthday, in that um, astrological card science that I have a software on a website called loveanddestinyreports.com, I found it very valuable um, from a psychologist standpoint that it gives me another little jewel of information on anyone that I work with as a matchmaker. And Cynthia, uh, you are a queen of, of diamonds. Sounds and this why we get along so well. <laughs> I have a lot of Mars with the queen of diamonds. We have a lot of passion um, for each other. So it's been a real pleasure meeting you. Um, relationships can be a bit um, karmically, according to this philosophy, um, a bit uh, challenging for you in this lifetime. You do have some karma to the spell in that area. So tell, let, we can talk all about that. I'm all open to sharing that because I want to know more. Because what you started to tell me the other night just sounded too familiar. <laughs> <laughs> I hear this a lot. <laughs> and I was looking at you like, how, the, how would you know this? <laughs> You're describing the dynamic I had with the men that I was married to and dated. And, and you helped me realize that there is a certain way that I have to honor and conduct myself and not not deviate from that and I have to find the right partner. Mm -hmm. So in in the way you do your matchmaking and understanding people from the way you started to understand me, I think this is a piece of, of information that I think everyone needs to needs to know. Mm -hmm. And when we have Susan Hannigan here. Hello. She's back. She's she's back magically. Hi. So she is um, going to be gifted a, a reading just like I did. Are you ready? I'm, I'm full of anticipation. <laughs> <laughs> well, interestingly, and you two are karma cards. Hey. Who knew? High five! <laughs> that is probably why you have a, a connection where you're even working together. Cynthia is a jack of diamonds, and you're a queen of diamonds. So, oh, Susan's a jack. I'm of the jack. She's, She's the, the jack. Queen. That the seems queen. appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But all of the cards that are right next to each other are karma cards in this lifetime. And I see a lot of couples that are karma cards, parents. Um, my dad and I are karma cards, um, mothers and sons. Um, I see it so much in close relationships that I'm never surprised when I walk in mm, and the two women That's who cool. I'm talking that to just neat. happen to be that way. So um, Cynthia is also another royalty 
card as a king of clubs. <laughs> so between the three of you, we have all of the royalty, Jack, Queens, and Kings covered here. Oh, we have Jack in the booth over there. <laughs> oh, I'm here. <laughs> so what is the... Um, the significance of the diamond. Yeah. Okay, right. because we're both diamonds, so let's hear this. Anyone born a diamond in this lifetime is um, all about stability and money in this lifetime. I'm always amazed that all diamonds usually own some property earlier than the rest of us. So they're all about stability <laughs> and money is a big focus in this lifetime for all diamonds. Focus, not necessarily we're acquiring it. I mean, yeah, I could see it being a focus, but are we all well off? Are we all comfortable? Um, Not necessarily, but the diamonds, especially going up into the diamonds um, and the royalty where you guys are, you really do have some more luck attaining wealth. Now, of course, you have to micromanage your mind and your energy Mm -hmm. to really own that and believe it. Um, but yes, the, the, some of the diamond cards are the most blessed financially in this lifetime. So you said micromanage your mind. And both of us are like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, it, it so, takes, takes a little yeah, bit of that as well. That's that whole master your mind. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, what does that mean? Well, I, I'm really talking a lot this year about uh, mind management because I do believe it's the end-all, be-all for all of us to manifest health in our life, more love mm-hmm. in our life, more money in our life, more work opportunities, whatever mm-hmm. we want. I do believe it all starts with um, perfecting our mind management to the best of our capability. Yeah, I agree. And especially in, this is a great, I'm so glad you guys are here. Because, you know, after going through cancer treatment, going through a double mastectomy, of course, there's a, this, the side of me that's like, I'm healthy, I'm happy, I'm good. Then there's a part of me that's like, how could I date without breast mind management? Mm-hmm. Right. right. Well, and you've come such a long way with your health that I, you know, when we spoke last week, when we met, it's clear that you also get that. It was your undertaking of yeah. that mind management that got you through all of that yeah. in an amazing place where you are now, where you can even focus on your love life. Isn't that you, something? <laughs> it's so, a blessing. <laughs> it's another way of thinking of, I've never heard the term mind management. Is it another way as belief systems? I Is made it up. Oh, okay. <laughs> I make up most of my own terms, like oh, even like my last like name, yeah. love with two yeah. V's. You know, okay. I tend awesome. to make these up. <laughs> it, it works. It works great. I mean, so mind management. So, what does that entail? What does that look like? It entails um, devotion to creating the mind that you really want. Um, now, you're a life coach, so I know you teach your clients how to think or feel in a certain way for them to be able to actualize better things in their life. Sure. That's kind of what I mean by mind management. Got it. Those teachings that we teach as coaches to our clients, I look at that as um, the mind management um, energy behind it all. Great. Thank you for that. That is very interesting. And and I think 
one of the other things that you talked about when we met a few few days ago, we we're talking about mind management. You talked about women's sensitivity levels, getting that under control. Right. I'm going to be talking very in depthly on this. At I have my uh, largest event of the year is on February 6th here in New York, and it's in New York, uh, Los Angeles on May 22nd. And um, I'll be lecturing very in depthly, and I hope that you can come on the mind on the mind management. And um, I'll be going over some of the facts that I saw with all of my clients from my love counsel work, as well as my matchmaking work, as well as the love and destiny reports, um, that the statistics and the data show me that women's sensitivities um, have been the number one uh, relationship breaker of 2015. Mm. And that is from all different angles of it. But a lot of my mind management work that I've been doing with my fem work this year has been in reducing our sensitivity levels to being stronger. And you and I talked about where I saw that that came from is socialization from our generation of being brought up. So I don't think it's any of our faults, but little boys were taught to stop crying like a girl. And us little girls were never taught to stop crying like a girl. And so a lot of that goes on into our adult lives, affecting our love lives by us being feeling the okayness to being so sensitive in regards to everything. I have femmes that will say, oh, he didn't text me back within two hours. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, who cares? You know, like you're going to live. That's not anything to be sensitive about. But a little some sensitivity like that can spill over and become greater and larger and start really tarnishing a relationship. Well, can I see an observation that's sort of the flip side of that? Sure. I think a lot of women... I know have been taught that the worst possible thing they can be is needy. It's always that that toxic word. And so a lot of women I know end up actually holding back any sense of I I could use affection right now, I could use a hug, I could use support because they're afraid of being seen as clingy, needy. And and so I think a lot of times guys, first of all, they end up feeling... Like they're not necessary. If the woman's never asking them for support or affection, Mm. good guys want us to smile and want to be Mm. there for us. So that feels a little contrary to what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, it's really not. I agree. Um, Actually, what I teach my femmes is that um, that is always an issue for them. But I do believe that actually men actually do like it, just like you said. They actually, the men um, aren't dumping. I've talked to thousands of men now in the, this last year as to why they've broken up or why they haven't. They're not breaking up because of neediness. That, a lot of them actually even somewhat like a form of it is healthier for them than other um, aspects that can be down spiraling to a relationship. So, um, yes, it's um, there, the sensitivity is a little bit different than that neediness aspect. So that has definitely not come up as a number one relationship mm-hmm. killer in my data for the 2015. Interesting. And I agree with you. We should all be a little needy in our love lives. It's actually what we have one for is to fill some of those needs that no one else can fill for us. Well, it's also, I mean, needy is just such a charged word. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and, and I 
I think a lot of times women misinterpret what that is. Yeah. I, I mean, that need is, you know, babe, can you be, you know, something I can lean against? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think most straight guys know, but most gay guys too. Actually something that fills them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and brings a sense of core of masculinity. But yeah, I guess I'm just hearing, um, it's interesting to hear sensitivity being different than need. Yeah, it is in, in my the way I'm looking at it. But I definitely think that the way that we're describing need is actually not as negative mm-hmm. as um, a lot of people have thought to be. I think men do like some form of feeling a need um, by their their femmes. Yeah. I think that you made a great point, Susan, to how do we discharge decharge that word negatively? You know, mm-hmm. how do we how do we make neediness not that stigmatized, oh she's so needy, he's so needy thing. Is it that we need a new word or just a new understanding of of how to how to relate to needing someone like if I need your your companionship your touch maybe it's appetite mm. considering uh-huh. that you're we're here and mm. because appetite is sexy appetite is mm. life affirming life, and, you know I have an appetite for you right now I like that that's just I just got all yes. kinds of steamy <laughs> in there. <Yes. laughs> I just got very warm in here yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. well good uh <laughs> what I'm here for. Yeah. Um, but that is very different. I think it's a distinction between I need you is yeah. is, is and, I'm and hungry and, for you. I'm hungry for you versus I need yeah. you is yeah. two completely different right. worlds. And, and I think in a happy relationship I got an appetite for you baby. It's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no Netflix tonight. Uh, it's just, <laughs> yeah. Now that is so I great because it. that helps me, you know, it, it just points out language. Mm-hmm. Language is so important, especially when you're with your partner, you know, the things that you say and the unspoken language. Mm-hmm. So like when you, when you've dealt with couples and you're doing matchmaking, how do you, how do you couple people um, and, and feel confident that they're, they would have compatible communication styles or skills. I think the fact that I'm trained as a psychologist really helps um, me be good at it. My last party, I had 15 couples, and four of them are still in a relationship. Hey. Wow. So that was really awesome. Um, one of the first initial things that I look, obviously, I, I during the love interview, I figure out what they're physically attracted to. Um, and then when I interview somebody on their behalf, I do look for some main things, um, I, the personality types um, that um, are a focus of mine in grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, my dissertation is in marital satisfaction and personality types. So I believe that that can cater to some compatibility um, within a relationship. Attachment styles, um, if somebody is has avoidant tendencies or anxious tendencies in their attachment style, I will um, consciously try to not set those two up together because that ah. can be a recipe for disaster, right? Somebody who might be a little bit more anxious slash needy, mm-hmm. right? Um, and from not from the term of that yummy hunger right. w- way, 
putting that person with somebody who has avoidant tendencies can be a recipe for disaster because one person's going to be texting somebody too much or needing to know where they were and the other one's going to be running away Mm -hmm. farther and farther away. So that's something that I can control usually before I put somebody together if I've interviewed them thoroughly enough. Um, And the latest finding in science in 2015 is sexual strategy types. There's new tests coming out. Okay, Cupid has sexual strategy. Yeah, that's if I can figure out if somebody's a giver in the bedroom then who would be the best compliment but a taker in the bedroom, right? And we've all had those little fun instances. And if we go both where, ways? Uh, well, then if you're ambidextrous in that area, then I can set you up with any, any, all the cards, right? And so do you have a form that says, do you X, Y, Z? Yeah. I have. There are, yeah. So OkCupid okay actually has a good... Um, test on that. Actually, science does not have a great sexual strategy test. I just have the information and the diagrams, but they actually haven't created a really good test on it. Cupid actually has one. so interesting. Are you saying that lovers are basically certain types? Like yes, we all are certain types in the bedroom. What yes. are those types? Because I need to understand. There's this. romantic. Um, okay, that's okay. the person that's really truly romantic. They're gonna need a lot of romance in their love life. Um, one is the um, erotophilia which is the person that just is very erotic and likes to feel a lot and they're not the best givers in the bedroom they more like to feel and receive Um, there's the giver um, and there's a few other types that aren't coming to mind right offhand right now. I'd have to have my data in front of me and my oh. information. You know, it's, it's this is ben- all brand new to science. Wow. Brand new. What I'm seeing a positive of you versus OKCupid is when you're filling out those forms, particularly the ones when they get into the sexuality. I know a lot of women go, well, yeah, I'm not going to put out that I'm into this because mm. I'm going to have a mm-hmm. whole lot of strangers mm-hmm. going, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you're looking for something with a little bit more depth, you, I mean, if you're into, you know, you're into sexual play, that's what the goal is, that's great. But I think a lot of women I know do hold back in expressing on, online what their what their sexual yeah, strategies I are. That. I would agree with Interesting. that. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that it goes on to their profile on OKCupid. I think it's more of a private test for yourself. I don't think it actually affects your profile. Okay, there's just a series of questions of are you into this form of oral sex? Are you into this right. kind of anal whatever? And test, you're going, yes. yeah, I don't want my first Wait, date that's during... that's in there? Yeah, absolutely. You can tell, oh. if you, it's your choice to answer those questions. Wow. But going... Do I want to have coffee for the first time with somebody who knows this is, is good? So, I don't and, know about that. The, yeah, 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 the yeah. results aren't, aren't put out to other people. They're really just for yourself. And I really urge huh. that OkCupid test because it's based on a new empirical mm. uh, scientific uh, test called the Sexy 7 Measure, SSM. Wow. And I love that scientists are finally like catching up and getting cool with the There's language. only seven? Yeah. <laughs> 
Susan, you're such there's a greedy only lover. Seven, there's only there's seven such a greedy ways lover. of sexual strategies. <laughs> yes. Appetite. Appetite. Oh, sorry. You're such an appetite. <laughs> <laughs> so there's seven. Say that again. This is so fascinating. There's seven different sexual strategy types that all of us can be. And so the empirical data wow. is called sexy seven measure. How do we find out what? I mean, I need to know what I am. Yeah, the, this might be where I've been stumbling all along. <laughs> that has this, um, taken the SSM from uh, the empirical data that I look at. The only test thus far is on OkCupid. Okay okay. If you go to their site there and you go and you take okay. their sexual test, and that scientist that devised that test took the real empirical data from the SSM and made that test. Eventually, I'll oh, be making wow. those tests myself as I'll a psychologist. That's yeah. so interesting. Now, you are, but you are doing matchmaking also as a, an actual service. So when mm-hmm. you do that and you, you match people up, what's that process like? Um, that process is um, pretty simple. They come on board. Well, somebody hires me as a, um, their private matchmaker. They get an hour and a half psychological intake session where I go in and I ask a lot of these questions. And I do focus on the sexual strategy, on the attachment style, um, and their personality type. And then the basics. Do you like blondes? Do you like brunettes? Do you care what color eye they have? Can you date somebody that's losing a little bit of hair? Do you mind if he's got a little pot belly? Um, Is um, education important to you? How about religion? All of those basics. And then I throw in some scientific um, analysis in there as well. And then from there, I interview um, the opposite femme or men contenders. I have recently um, matched my first homosexual couple. And so that division is growing as well. And um, and I interview people on their behalf and see if I think they would be a good match. And then they get sent out on a certain amount of dates for, let's say, a three-month contract. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so, and how are they? Well, Susan, you have a question? I'm, I'm just taking it all in. Um, <laughs> it looked like you were about to ask. No, no, no. I wasn't, but I have thoughts. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm intrigued. Here's I have a question for you. If, well, I want to know what you think on this. I am going to a birthday party this week of a glorious, beautiful, vivacious friend of mine in her 40s. And all the women there are could be described pretty much that way. And most of them have not been in any kind of relationship in a significantly long time. Mm-hmm. And that has, would say, is becoming more and more of my social life. Yeah, because some people just don't like the online and the app dating venues. They just, they, it just is difficult for them. They don't like it. They don't appreciate it. And that's um, I, I always a great client for a private matchmaker because I do all of that work for them. They just show up at the mm-hmm. date. By the time mm-hmm. they show up, the person that they're meeting is already excited to meet them because I have already screened them to make sure that excited they're... Excited to meet them? Yes. That's, that's always yeah. my goal. That's is something to, I've never... <laughs> right. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah. Ones. And yeah. the matchmaking parties that you're going to be DJing at for me, Cynthia, that's a little bite and a little taste of what it feels like to, to be a private matchmaking client. That's why I created those parties. So somebody can tell me, they go through the exact same process on a lighter scale, and then I set them up with somebody who's already going to be excited to meet them by the time they're there. You can't really get that 
as a service from dating online. People no, are a little burnt out. Yeah. No one's really excited about who they're going to meet these no. days on that. From the matchmaker, I've already screened them. So they're going to be perfect on paper by the time you meet them. Whether there's that sexual chemistry, that carnal attraction, no matchmaker can know that or foresee that. In fact, mm-hmm. we all even get shocked at sometimes when we have that with somebody which uh-huh. we wouldn't expect it, right? <laughs> so that's out of my control, but they're perfect on paper by the time you meet them and they're excited to meet you. Do you have any observations as to why there's such an abundance of remarkable middle-aged women who are single out there? Um... You know, depending on who you ask, they would say there's an overabundance of all ages of single. Right now, divorce rates are over 51%. So we actually have a high abundance of singles, men and women, and and all age groups, actually. Yeah, so I don't like to adhere. Those become... Those don't fit into my optimal mind management that mm-hmm. I teach single people because, mm-hmm. like, when I was in L.A., people say, oh, the men in L.A. are so difficult. Oh, the men in New mm-hmm. York are so difficult. Okay. So I feel like that is one of those limited belief systems sure. that will only keep us manifesting more sure. single time. Right. So I don't like to take those on. So let's mm-hmm. remind the listeners, since now that they've heard a little bit more about the matchmaking that you do, how to get in touch with you to hire you to do that exact work for them. The RSVP line for the matchmaking parties and to ask me any questions um, is 888-854-7488. That's 888-854-7488. And I can be reached through my website, gabbylove.com, G-A-B-I, L-O-V-V-E dot com and I can be emailed directly on there or at Gabby at GabbyLove.com Very cool. So when I told people that you were going to be here over social media, I had a few inquiries about how can I ask Gabby a question while you guys are doing your radio show. So I think we have a few callers. Awesome. Yeah, so we're actually going to uh, we're going to reach out to a couple of people on the wait list here since we have a, just a few minutes left we're going to grab... Um, Let's see. Jack is going to grab him. (laughs) This is great. This is caller number three. All right. This is Reverend DJ Cherish the Love, Primary Food. I understand you might have a question for Gabby Love, our professional matchmaker. Yes, I do. Yes, who is this? It's John, Johnny X. Okay. Hi, John. It's Gabby here. Hi, hi, hi. It's so great to have you guys connect. All right, ask yeah, your yeah, questions. Yeah. This is a golden moment. Carpe Gabby. All right. Well, I'm wondering about my whole, like, career path as singer, songwriter. Like, what's up with that and how it's going? And and am I just am I doing the wrong thing <laughs> or the right thing? Are you wondering if your career is there? If your career is going somewhere, are you tying this into your love life in some way? Um. Yeah, I was interested in that, but uh, you know, if you're more of a of a love life expert, I'm I 
you can help me with that too because uh, that's also been kind of uh, on hold for quite a while. Yeah, and I'm glad it has been on hold. You know why, John? Because really, unless you're feeling your alpha male energy, really, you don't really want to be activating a love life. And the fact that you your initial concern was your singing career tells me that that really does need to be, I'm glad that you said that first versus your love life. Because until a man has his his um, what I call his stallion life until he he's made it as a man in some way shape or form he d- he really shouldn't be focusing on his love life because it's um, it's it's a lot more of a difficult track that way so I do feel that it is really important for you as a man to get that that um, feeling that you have conquered your mm. um, your work life in some way. So I'm glad that you actually brought that up initially as right, first. Right. Um, what I can do, I do have one company that's loveanddestinyreports.com that has these phenomenal destiny reports. And um, let's contact each other after the show, and I will get you this weekend your destiny report, and it will be able to give us a little bit of information as to what's going on in your business life right now Um, and if you know uh, what I do know is that you know if you feel very strongly about that career you know don't give up it's not easy um, to to do that but if you need to bring on something else to support yourself or to keep you feeling more abundant in the process of making the career that you really want out of your first choice then do that then bring something right. in to support your immediate mission. Okay. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm. Thank you so All right, much. Thank you. All right. It feels like there's like this post-feminist phobia of men, a lot of men being I've meet who are to be alpha. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want to be sexist. They don't want to be abrasive. They don't want to be gross. So it's a, so to flip that, there's this feeling of. Um, how to put this in a stereotype way? There's a little, there's a little cutoff from their sexuality, well, or, or their drive, or I mean, you phrase it the way you would speak. Well, you know, the women's movement was great um, for all of us. Um, however, it did confuse um, sexuality roles, the man's role, and our role um, a bit um, after that, because the men don't know how much they should give to us. Um, how women don't know how much we are to receive and how much we are to go out there and conquer on our own. Um, so I believe it was a blessing, but it did cause some confusion when it comes to the social aspects of love. Um, and so the men, I feel, um, and all of us women that have dated men who have not found their true calling in their work life, um, there will always be something missing in them um, that we can never fulfill for them. Mm -hmm. So I always suggest that the men find that mission. They feel good. They've conquered their their work life. And then they have so much more to give to us. So when we take on a man who's in that place where he hasn't, I do find that it's always a little bit more of a difficult relationship for both because 
he feels lacking, especially as if you, especially if you have conquered your work life as a woman mm-hmm. and he hasn't, there's always a bit of a dissonance there. So it makes it for a bit of a harder relationship. Does that apply to women in their careers if they haven't achieved what they wanted to in their life? Does it affect relationships as well in mm-hmm. a way? Not as much because us women, we are always willing to make a relationship our priority, meaning we will work our butts off being at the office busy all day, but we will make the time to text and to keep the relationship as healthy as we possibly can as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a little bit, um, it's different energetically. We're caught out for that to, to maintain and feed the relationship regardless of what else is going on. Somebody once said to me that men are judged in this culture, culture by their productivity the way women are judged by their bodies. And I thought that that right. was extraordinary when I took that hmm. in. Yeah, that that's if, if I was to say to a guy, you know, honey, is that a project you really should be taking on right now? That's the equivalent of someone saying to me, have you put on 10 pounds? Mm. And, and that was, it made me so sympathetic to guys. That's yeah, so interesting. That back to socialization, us women, we can't really understand the man the man goes through if we think about it most women once we're 18 if we lose a job and we have no way to support ourselves there's some family member some aunt or sister somebody that will take care of us a lot of the men don't have that once they're 18 they are sent Hmm. out to the world and they have this responsibility to provide for themselves and then usually a family as well. So it is a lot of heavy baggage that none of us women will ever fully understand. So I give the men a break in that regards. And so when we're in a relationship with them, we always have to cater to that let their work come first when it needs to. Um, They're not programmed for their love lives to come first because they're all about survival and usually not only survival for themselves but survival for a special woman in their lives and hopefully children so it is a responsibility and a heaviness that none of us women can really fully ever understand and i believe that that's when we have to let the men be their alpha male and we have to give them a break when it comes to their work matters i definitely have experienced power struggle in my relationships Mm-hmm. Definitely. it's. I can see it. It's like very clear now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And powerful women will go through that. And like you being a king as well for all a king Jack. women. Well, Jack. Jack. You're a Jack and a king. Oh, I am. Oh, yeah. Oh, your, second, your second card is a king of clubs. <laughs> okay. Wow. okay. So <laughs> the Jack actually will have an easier way in her love life. The king woman um it's, it's always a bit of a struggle because yeah. you are so powerful. And any man that comes in, unless he's a king as well, he's, there's going to be a deficiency of how he feels because that's how all the kings in this lifetime just have it that way. So it's actually even harder for you. You have to practice really being the queen energy right. and uh, with all of your men, even more so than all women. Because you really have this kingdom power in you that can really allow other men to feel less powerful around you. Mm, So consciously you have to work on your femme and your your queen. Which is interesting. And I definitely would say, yeah, that's spot on. Uh, Yeah, you've probably felt that before. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And also the sort of feeling of frustration when I've come across men with king energy not wanting a peer, but choosing to be with women who are fabulous, but more demure 
mm-hmm. um, or definitely, I don't know, be like below queen. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't mm-hmm. even know what that would be. You know, there's sure. no, there's no princess card. You know, <laughs> but, 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 but say, you know, there was, <laughs> but just to say, there's, and I think a lot of women I know who have that similar energy will tell you that that enormous frustration of feeling that the guys who are kings um, don't want that or thinking that we, we would not need them. And at the same time going, oh, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Would love a place to go home and drop off the, the crown for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I think oh, all yeah. women really I feel their best in their femme energy, which is the receiving energy and a man who is happily more powerful than we are. Um, it makes us feel more grounded and secure. Now, some women will choose to be the masculine energy. See, the thing is, is like you can't be both. So in a relationship, you have to pick, am I the feminine or the masculine? Some women will choose to be the masculine. Uh, most of them are homosexual. Um, if they, A lot of them are. Um, but even in heterosexual relationships, a woman can choose that, but she gives up um, if she wants to be the masculine role, she gives up a lot of her feminine. Right. She can't be both. Can you flip it and say, you know, in my person, my work life, I right. totally know I can, I can do hmm. strong male energy. I run groups. I, co- you know, put things together. I know I, I is that male though? Well, I'm just, I'm just, yeah, yeah. that's, that's more masculine. Um, Mm -hmm. the, um, all of those when she's that much of a leader, that's the king in her. You just have to make sure to not take the king to your bedroom. Right. Unless he wants that. (laughs) (laughs) Unless he's hungry for for that. that. (laughs) (laughs) He's hungry for that specifically. But yes, I guess for when I'm, what I struggle with is wanting to feel, I don't want to deny my power. You know, I've gotten to this place in my life where I feel strong. I I like myself. I feel skilled. I don't want to deny myself and the planet, me being fully myself. No, and men love powerful women in 2016. They really do. But in the bedroom, and I don't mean necessarily literally, in the relationship, he wants you to subquiesce to his power as well and 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 let that sometimes be the overriding can you, i think i know what you're saying but can you talk about that a little bit more i know i could hear a lot of my friend's shoulders going up right now <laughs> women walk out of my lectures i think i know where you're, where you're going but can you elaborate more on what that means because i think a lot of women go Oh, you want me to be Donna Reed mm-hmm. or some 1950s housewife with yes, dear kind mm-hmm. of energy? No, absolutely not. God, I don't think that would it. turn on anyone yeah. in 2016. Not not any of the men. Um, no, uh, what I mean by that is be a powerful woman. You can't help yourself. You are a double royalty card and a king at that. Very few women are kings. So you just can't that. help Look yourself. And so that, and, and in that reign, you're going to feel great. So the right guy for you is going to really appreciate your power. Um, he might be a queen, actually. Qu- king women do great with king men. I mean, queen men. My last relationship was a man who kept defining himself as a lesbian. Ah, so. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's cute. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish we could just keep going on and on and on about this because relationship talk is like... So fun. Yeah, it's so, so fun, fun and it's everything. Really. I mean... 
So we're going to wind down, um, and then we might have to have you come back. Cool. And then we'll just like update update you in our relationships with all this learning. Yes. So again, that was Gabby Love, relationship expert, matchmaker. Um, Events coming up: GabbyLove.com. Uh, and that's L-O-V-V-E. And we are here with Susan Hannigan again, Jack and King. There you go. <laughs> and uh, this is Cynthia Cherish Maller and Reverend DJ Cherish the Love. And you've been listening to Primary Food on Heritage Radio Network. And you can reach out to me and get my attention if you've got questions on social media, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, at DJ Cherish the Love. Hashtag Primary Food, Heritage underscore Radio, and hashtag Rev Love. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.